Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I thank you for joining us to lead, learn, and laugh. Learn market knowledge and best practices to lead your company's success. And that's whatever type of company you work with and laugh, I think we have to have some fun along the way. Well, hello, I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. Remember, if you have any questions or comments related to this show or about any commercial real estate endeavors, do give us a call. Our phone number is 888-612-SHOW. Or you can connect with through your favorite social media sites. You can find them all at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're talking about the restaurant business and the restaurant industry, the strategies, everything involving restaurants and real estate. We'll look at some of the key issues affecting the restaurant business in this market, including some important lease issues. We'll also share some operational and site tips and strategies related to restaurants. Plus, we'll share who's expanding and what we expect for the sector moving forward. Let's meet our guest. First, please welcome Robin Allen. Robin's on the phone with us. She's the executive editor of Nation's Restaurant News. For more than 40 years, Nation's Restaurant News has been the number one source of business intelligence for the restaurant industry. Robin Allen, welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Hi, Michael. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you. And please welcome Pierre Panos. Pierre owns the Brookwood Grill. He's the founder and president of QS America, the parent company of Fresh to Order. He's also owner of more than 40 Papa John's restaurants in four states. Pierre, thanks for joining us again. Thank you. And also, please welcome John Neville. John is a partner with the law firm Arnold Golden Gregory. John's practice is focused on the real estate uh, market, retail, and restaurant clients. Good morning, John. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Also, please welcome Tony Akeley. He's president of Restaurants Consulting Group a hospitality nightclub and restaurant design, construction, and consulting firm. Tony, welcome, and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Well, guys and ladies, uh, Robin, if you'll start us out here, how are restaurants doing now? I mean, I hear that things are going well. What do you see out there for sales? Um, Well, I would say that the the short answer is okay. Um, The year started out really strong. These are generalizations of what I've been hearing from different operators in different segments, but since August, we've kind of started to see a slowdown almost across all restaurant segments, you know, from quick service to uh, casual and upper-end restaurants. So, um, you know, and there are probably a lot of reasons for that, but I'm not sure if everybody saw this, but the Commerce Department on Friday put out um, numbers for August saying that consumer spending, you know, had barely budged and, and that unemployment had really had a lot to do with that. So I think, you know, on the part of the consumer, it's still a skittish atmosphere and, you know, it's like riding choppy waters for the restaurant industry. Right. And Pierre, I have a fresh to order near my office. It's always packed. Uh, how are your sales doing? Uh, generally, what we're finding is our restaurants across the three brands uh, have been, two of them have been double digit positive through this uh, period. Uh, what we call period nine. Um, on the lower end, when I call the lower end, I call the, the, our product that's a little, slightly less expensive. We've been five, six percent positive. That's our Papa John's brand, and actually our high-end brands, Fresh to Order and Brookwood Grill, have been double-digit positive. So we still are finding very strong consumer demand for our product. What I will say is, on the upper end, uh, we have seen the last couple of weeks a slight slowdown. Uh, we've been double-digit positive, and we've been flat the last couple of weeks to very slightly positive. Uh, in that specific brand. So I don't know if uh, it's election fever. I don't know if people are uh, holding back, waiting to see what's going on. But we've been positive. 
uh, and strongly positive even through August. But I have heard and I have seen, of course, on Nations Restaurant News, the latest results that come out, that people are slowing down in the latest quarterly numbers. So. Well, I can tell you what happened. I put my wife on a spending freeze, so she's not, <laughs> <laughs> she's not out there uh, sh- uh, shopping as much and uh, spending money, right? But it's, uh, it, no, honey, you're not on one. You're you're doing okay. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you guys think about uh, the business moving forward? How is the restaurants going to perform the rest of this year, next year, uh, Pierre? What do you think? What do you expect? I think, quite frankly, that once the election gets done and gets finished, and we know exactly who's going to be in office, I think people just breathe a collective sigh of relief. I don't really think anyone, everyone cares who's going to get in, but the bottom line is everyone will know at least who's going to be in, uh, and they will continue along their normal lives. And, and I actually feel that we will have relatively strong restaurant growth for the next couple of years. I don't think that we're going to be in, at least at the level that we operate. If you're looking at fine dining restaurants, maybe a, a different story, but what I call quality dining, you know, $25, $30 a person and below, I think the market will still be relatively strong. My worry actually comes, and uh, if you're looking at five, six de- years down the line, once the economy and the balance sheets of the world and of government start deleveraging with all this money printing that's going on, uh, and inflation really kicks in, commodity prices increases, we have to increase our price points as well on our product. What happens at that point? How are consumers going to react? Uh, and what's going to happen at that point? So that's a, that's a big concern for me rather than right now. I think we're good for the next couple of years. Tony, what do you expect to see moving forward? I see expansion. I think it'll be a 10 to 15% growth every year in the segment of quick service and fine dining. I think fine dining is rebounding a little bit. I don't know if you've seen that. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily as fine as more of a casual fine dining mm-hmm. where the average ticket is 50 to $60 per person. And those are seeing improvements about 10 to 15%. Okay. And Robin, what about your crystal ball? What do you see for the future? Um, well, I'm hearing the same thing about upper end. I mean, corporate spending seems to be back. Um, you know, there's still a little bit of, it's like tentative optimism out there. People are feeling better and and looking forward to the future, but in the immediate future, I think they're expecting more of the same. And to what Pierre was saying about the election, I think that that's having a, a chilling effect right now, without a doubt, and, and especially for those restaurant operators who just don't know what's going to happen, which administration it's going to be, what rules they're going to be playing by. And, and there are still no details and so many things that are just hanging over their head, like health care reform and menu labeling. So there's a lot that's going to be um, addressed in the next few months. Okay. Well, Robin, who are these companies that are expanding? Who's in expansion mode right now? Um, well, actually, there really are quite a lot. Uh, you know, for a couple of years during the Great Recession, we saw people really pull back, but now um, some of the brands that come to mind immediately are uh, Firehouse Subs, Caribou Coffee, um, Yard House, Jimmy John's, um, out of Atlanta, both Chick-fil-A and Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen are doing very well. Of course, the better burger, burger segment continues to do well, Smash Burger and Five Guys, um, and Papa John's, as Pierre probably is well aware. They were actually one of our winners this year at our annual conference that just wrapped up, and, um, and they've been doing really well in the recent past. Yeah, still 4,000, right? It's 4,000 stores open, and... Uh John Schnatter smiling, so things are definitely right. going. Uh, things are going well there, no question. On our on our fresh, on our proprietary brand, fresh to order, we're definitely expanding out of Atlanta as well, Nashville, 
uh, Orlando. Uh, we're looking at a lot of different markets in the southeast, mainly southeast, but we're definitely in expansion mode as well um, on that specific brand and our Papa John's unit. So we have a two-growth strategy. I always say I'm not smart enough to grow three or four brands. I believe you have to focus at, at a maximum on two brands to do them well, especially at our size. And we've chosen our Papa John's brand and fresh to order to expand, and those are the two that we uh, – continue expanding and will continue for the next you know five to seven years at that point as i mentioned i'm concerned about the overhang of debt obviously now but it's going to get worse in the foreseeable future and uh, at that point we may just take a breather and have a look at it but right now we're definitely in full expansion mode what would be a basic uh, criteria for a fresh to order store what uh, what should we bring you we look site selection we're pretty much looking at anywhere from 25 to 3,000 feet is what we're looking at mm-hmm. we want to be definitely in cap a uh, prominent area no question about that uh, freestanding buildings as well. We look at those as well. Uh, we, we want those as well. We, we don't want to go in line. So basically, the old demographics of density, population, uh, uh, daytime population is all very, very important. We also layer on a new uh, experience or mosaic profile, call it pretty much tapestry, which enables us to pinpoint exactly where our guests are dining. So we've looked at uh, all of our Atlanta guests. We've done a, a big survey, and we pretty much know exactly the profile of guests that we want to come into our restaurants. So overlaying that in the biggest markets along the eastern coast uh, seaboard, we know exactly where those guests are, where they dine, and what they like. So those are the cities we're going for, and exactly in those locations where the biggest concentration of our guests currently uh, eat and, and play. Okay. And Tony, I'd like you to start with this one. And you know, how are these brands that are expanding finding site selection right now? I mean, many of the landlords I talk to, they like the idea of restaurant tenants. Uh, they like the traffic they bring. Uh, what does the market look like for a restaurant owner that's looking for a good location? It's great. The landlords are looking for restaurant operators. The only problem is the locations. Locations are not available in every area, so it's been difficult to find locations that are meeting the criteria of most of the restaurant tours, especially Pierre. Pierre is very selective on his. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tony. <laughs> we only want the best. We demand it, the best. I agree with him. He's, he, and, you know, there's more than three components to a restaurant success mm-hmm. with the location. It has to be visibility, the access, the parking, the demographics, and the, econ- the economics of the deal on the, uh, for, for the location. So that's very important to deal with. John, where do you find? Well, the problem is with the economics, which were just mentioned. You know, you can have the perfect site, and the landlord can want the restaurant. But some mm-hmm. of what what we're mm-hmm. seeing is that the landlord wants the restaurant, but doesn't want to pay for the restaurant because you know there are a lot of additional expenses that go with the restaurant, whether it be venting or whether it be impact fees or you know a whole list of other costs and expenses that go with building out a restaurant. You know, it, it looks like a great idea on paper, but when a landlord realizes it might have to repave its parking lot in order to do a restaurant. Um, suddenly it may not be such a good idea for that developer. So just something to think about and and sort of figure out before you get too far down the road on any particular site. Okay, we're going to take a short break. When we get back, we'll have more information on site selection and restaurant operations. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. And Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. And by Resnick Group, a top 20 national accounting firm focused on real estate. Visit resnickgroup.com.
Well, welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. And would you like to know the absolute latest on any commercial real estate-related subjects? Check out our on-demand show podcast. Shows are available on subjects like CMBS Loan Workouts, bank loan workouts, tax credits, capital markets, leading college real estate programs, and we did a show on syndications and group real estate investing. On this show, we shared some Reg D changes coming up, which may make advertising for investors legal and even allow crowdfunding. There are lots of interesting shows to choose from. You can access the shows on iTunes or on your computer or smartphone at the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're talking about the restaurant business and restaurant business strategies. My guests are Robin Allen with Nations Restaurant News, Pierre Panos with Q- QS America, John Neville with Arnold Golden Gregory, and Tony Akeley with Restaurants Consulting Group. And Tony, I'd like to ask you a little bit more about some of the important site selection components when choosing a restaurant location in the current market we're in. Well, it's mostly there's about more than three components, more than location, location, location. There's more to it as far as visibility, the parking, and the accessibility are the very, very three important uh, factors in choosing a location, as well as the demographics for the area, depending on what your segment in the market is. And then the economics of the deal, whether that deal is gonna be uh, successful or not is determined by how much the tenant is gonna spend on a rental space. And that's including all the uh, necessities things from, electrical service to gas service to uh, grease traps to whatever needed uh, impact fees whatever needed to be done to the space to bring it to a restaurant space right they have to look at the total occupancy cost Mm -hmm. not just the rent per square foot right well what about sites that were previously restaurants Uh, we get a lot of calls from uh, restaurant uh, owners who they'd like to find a location that was a previous restaurant so they save some of that money but then we've also had some that look at a previous restaurant location that maybe failed or maybe failed twice with previous concepts, and some of them are a little nervous about that. What do you say to that? Well, I feel if, if the location has met the criteria that we just mentioned earlier, there is no reason to be afraid of that location. That means it had something to do with the operation, with the management, and with the uh, economical deal that happened before that first failure. So if it's not a location issue, you guys agree with that? The, you're just not nervous about that if it's the right location, right? Yes. You know, some people call restaurants that have failed and two, three have failed in the space and say it's a Bermuda Triangle of restaurants. I've heard that <laughs> that phrase used. And, and you know, it, it's really not. I, I agree with Tony in a lot of a lot of the aspects. When, when a great restaurateur comes with a great concept, what he's going to do is look at the site. He's going to take the very basics that are in there. Of course, you know, extra money's been spent on HVAC, electrical, that's great. Plumbing, all that is great. But the rest, he should rip out, put his own brand presence in there, you know, reface the store, remodel the outside. Obviously, obviously he's going to have new signage, but, you know, whether it's his own brand of awnings, basically make the space look like it's his own. A lot of restaurateurs that fail serially in a space go in and pretty much think, well, I'm going to save a lot of money, and all I'm going to do is put a new menu and new food, and it's going to succeed. Nine out of ten times, it's not. You have to totally reimage and take those steps, put the money in to be able to say, this is now my space. And when people drive by and guests drive by, they look and say, yeah, that's a new space. I get it now. Whereas if it's all the same outside, they're not even going to give it a second look. And if they come inside and it's all the same, they're pretty much walking out, almost however good the food is. People want new. They want different. They want fresh. They don't want tired spaces. Right. So whenever we look at a space, we do take second-generation space, and we have uh, a number of times. And uh, Tony's built out a couple of us that are second-generation. And let me tell you, every time, all we take is the basic 
uh, which is of, often the biggest cost, HVAC, your, your HVAC plumbing electrical, uh, and that's what you use. The rest you strip out and go from new. Right. There are some cost savings involved, and there are some restaurants, obviously, they are going to use some of that equipment. So, John, are there some legal steps a tenant should take to verify the previous tenant does not still have a claim to any of this equipment? Well, a lot of times the previous tenant is less of a concern than maybe a third party. Um, it just depends if that equipment that was in there was financed. It depends on whether it was leveraged with other partners' money. Um, it depends on whether there was a default under that lease beforehand that maybe the landlord has ownership of. Um, you know, obviously, if it's the landlord, you can usually strike that deal in your lease document when you do your, your new transaction. But, yeah, I mean, there are questions that have to be asked, and there's, there are you know, public records that can be searched to do a, a comprehensive search to see if anything's filed. Um, that's not even always completely conclusive, though, at least as relates to the land, landlord. So, yeah, I mean, you need to make sure that if you're banking on getting this equipment and banking on the fact that um, it's going to save you money, you need to make sure that it's owned. You also need to make sure it's operational. You know, I've seen a lot of deals where people banked on having this equipment in place and they've come in um, after signing the lease only to realize that it really can't be used for their concept. And that is you know, just as bad as having nothing there. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Pierre, you guys are expanding in several states, uh, especially around the southeast. What are you seeing related to rental rates and incentives for landlords lately? Uh, what kind of rates are you seeing? Actually, if you look in the southeast, where we, we primarily are looking at, at space, we're seeing very, very strong rates from landlords. We have up to 50 to 60 bucks a foot for landlord-tenant improvement, which is strong. So we're looking at a minimum of 100 to $150,000 a foot, and landlords seem quite willing to give that with rental rates that are in the high 20s to low 30s. In the good old days, when I talk about the good old days, five years ago, seven years ago, if they're giving you 50 bucks a foot, they want $50 in rental. And things have changed a little bit more. Landlords appear to be willing to give a little bit more and, uh, and, and charge reasonable rental rates. So the rental rates we see now are rental rates in the spaces that we're looking at that existed quite a long time prior to the height of the market. So that, that's a good thing. You can get reasonable rates and good tenant improvement. It doesn't seem, though, that in exchange for that, that the landlords are looking for more security from you. It seems that more and more deals we've ran into, they're willing to give you that money, but they yes. want a longer guarantee. They want more guarantors. They, they want more balance sheets. They want it. They basically what we're seeing is that they do want a 10-year lease. The old five with three five-year options is gone. They want a 10-year lease. And they're really quite skittish about giving you another 10-year option because an option is obviously to a, to a tenant's benefit, but they will give a 10-year lease. So they definitely want that. They definitely want stronger guarantees and a stronger balance sheet. What I do is I give them a stronger balance sheet. I'll give them one of my companies with a strong balance sheet is stronger than an emerging brand, let's say. But what I'll do is I'll definitely have a burn-off. So we'll have a two, three-year burn-off. And they're okay with that a lot of the times. And what they do want, though, is they want the unamortized portion of their TI paid back to them if you happen to vacate. And that's something pretty typical. And I think that is fair as well. Yeah, those are good tips. And, John, I want to ask you, you know, if a restaurant is spending a lot of money in their build-out or, or they have concerns about the current or future owner not paying the mortgage, how can restaurant owners attempt to protect their interests when they're negotiating a lease from issues uh, should a landlord's property be foreclosed on? I mean, this is our favorite topic on the show, right, is that, mm -hmm. you know, everybody needs to understand as a fundamental legal point that if there's a lease in place and a loan in place, 99 times out of 100, if there's a foreclosure on that loan, your lease goes away as a matter of law. Yeah. It just it, It's operationally true. The only way you can avoid that is as a restaurateur is that you can demand to have a written agreement with the lender for your landlord. Did you say demand or did you say ask? <laughs> demand. Demand. <laughs> demand. So we, we demand. But you can get a, a, a written agreement between the restaurateur and the lender of the landlord, and it's called an SNDA. S is in Sam, N is in Nancy, D-A. And that SNDA document 
generally will protect the tenant from if there's a foreclosure. That means the lender will recognize that lease and not make the restaurateur go away. Yeah, well, that's a good point. And we've seen some situations with some banks that that we represent that they'll foreclose on a property and then come in and tell the tenants, you know what, we don't like your rate. We, we're not going to give you that tenant improvement dollars. That previous landlord was in trouble. He gave you a deal that wasn't a market, and we're not going to honor it. And then the tenant's in a bad situation. So I think you want to gauge uh, the risk there. Uh, look at the loan situation. Look at the occupancy and see what you're getting into and uh, make sure you're not getting into a problem situation. And another thing to come up where the landlord doesn't take care of landlord responsibilities. In a moment, we'll give you some ways to protect yourself there after a short break. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. And Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. And by Resnick Group, a top 20 national accounting firm focused on real estate. Visit resnickgroup.com. Well, welcome back. I'm Michael Boyle, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. How would you like people to come to your website to hear the Commercial Real Estate Show? We can now download a free widget. This allows your site visitors to access show videos and audio podcasts right on your website. Just visit CommercialRealEstateShow.com and look for the widget on the homepage. You can see how it works and easily download it to your site. And guess what? After you load it, it works automatically. Well, today we're talking about restaurant business strategies. My guests are Robin Allen, Pierre Panos, John Neville, and Tony Akeley. And John, I'd like to ask you about another issue that can come up uh, with some restaurant tenants or any tenants uh, by, by, you know, of course. And that is the landlord is not performing. They're not paying the utilities. They're not reimbursing TI. They're not doing things. How might a tenant protect themselves when they're negotiating the lease uh, over this situation? Well, they're all sort of the same issue with dif- different flavors. First of all, on improvement dollars, it goes back to what we said earlier. Mm-hmm. Tenant improvements right now in restaurants are such an important part of the deal. Um, you know, tenant, it goes to the overall cost of opening for our restaurateurs. And um, it's important that money gets into the to the tenant's hands. So in order to do that, you know, you need to, number one, make sure that the list of requirements that the landlord wants you to provide in order to get that TI, make sure that those are, are manageable and reasonable. You know, sometimes landlords will give you a page long of stuff that you have to provide in order to get your TI. And if they do that, that's a great excuse not to pay. More importantly, though, and where I think you're going with the question is that if the landlord doesn't pay despite you meeting their requirements, you need a right to be able to offset that against your future rent. And and not only just offset the amount of the improvement, because then effectively you're giving the landlord an open window for a zero interest loan, mm-hmm. but it really needs to be the right to offset the TI coupled with an interest at a, at a rate that's really going to make it sting a little bit for that landlord not to pay. You know, when you start getting into not ha- not handling utilities or not um, doing repairs or those kind of things, similarly, I think, you know, our restaurateurs need a right to be able to make the repairs themselves and then be able to bill the landlord for it. And if the landlord doesn't pay that bill, then again, offset that against rent. Mm-hmm. You know, just everybody needs to be aware that, that offset is sort of a dirty word when it comes to landers and uh, landlords and lenders. So because of that, I think, you know, 
we all need to be cognizant when we're asking for this big offset right that um, it may not be something that's easily given. It may need to be conditioned. Mm -hmm. um, It may need to be limited to emergency repairs. I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can limit it. But I think, you know, it's something to go into a deal wanting to get. I think it's something to go into a deal willing to negotiate. And I think if you're if you're reasonable and you can qualify it reasonably, I think you'll get it. That's a good point. And, and who's asking, right? If you're a startup and you haven't proven yourself, you're not going to have much leverage well, but, with but that. But I think but. if you're a startup restaurant, if the four of us went to start a restaurant right now, I think it is perfectly reasonable for us to ask that if there's an emergency repair that's needed inside of our restaurant, like a roof leak, that if we don't get it fixed right away is going to cause a lot of damage, that we should be able to have the right to fix that mm-hmm. and send the landlord an invoice for that. Now, yeah. some landlords listing may, may, may disagree, and if you have an on-site property manager that can jump on it right away, that's probably a fair response. But, you know, if it's managed by a REIT four states away, the reality of it is we're going to make that correction, and, and we should get paid for making that, that correction to that repair that, that causes the emergency. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, Pierre, I want to ask you about financing uh, in this market. I mean, it's been a tough environment in a lot of sectors. Uh, what do you see out there in, in the restaurant industry, and what are some tips about for restaurant owners who are looking for funding? Well, even though there's apparently this huge amount of money that's out there, right, waiting for small business people to be able to access and lend, really it's it's not as easy as it would appear for the average business person to go and get a loan. Uh, as we're expanding in the, in, 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 in the southeast and we're looking at different uh, uh, banks to expand with for our franchisees are fresh to order because we're trying to help them. We have a list of banks that they go to. They are SBA guaranteed, so it's through SBA as well. Uh, and actually, they have had pretty good success in doing it, but not incredibly good success. We've been with one bank. My company's been with one bank for 17 years. Uh, we have no problem getting financing for our corporate stores. Uh, we put something through loan committee last week. You know, Within one week, it was an approval. That's very quick. And we found that to be the case with us in our company. I feel that banking, again, hopefully will ease up a little bit more after the election once everyone knows which direction we're going in. So for us, it hasn't been a problem if you're more of a substantial company. For an emerging brand and franchisees of an emerging brand, it is a little bit more of an issue. But if you source through the correct uh, companies, and, and one of them right now, quite frankly, that does a great job is Bowfly. So if anyone out there wants to check them out, they can have a look. I've got no vested interest in the company. I'm just telling you it's a good side. It's like a lending tree for restaurateurs to go to and to be able to uh, access multiple sites for, uh, for, for, for financing. And there is a um, restaurant finance conference that's coming up, I think, November the 12th through the 14th in Las Vegas at the Bellagio, yep. where a lot of the major lenders to restaurants um, and franchisees of restaurants are going to show up and have it in, in one big exhibit hall, you know, have tables side by side so people can come up and talk with them about financing opportunities. All right. Well, that's some great tips and a, a great resource there. Well, Tony, what are some other operating tips for restaurant owners in this current market? I think they have to be really careful in watching their labor and food cost and the uh, service. Service has been very, um, it's, a, it's a problem for the restaurant business in Atlanta. It seems like uh, everywhere you go, service is deteriorating, the quality of food has gone down. Okay, in just a moment, we'll have more tips on social media and some other operational tips. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. And Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. 
Resnick.com. And by Resnick Group, a top 20 national accounting firm focused on real estate. Visit ResnickGroup.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Well, we have interesting music, and we have interesting shows coming up for you, including a show unveiling Emerging Trends Report. This is a remarkably accurate report. It looks at commercial real estate trends expected in the coming year. It's produced by ULI and PwC. Plus, we have a show next week with some timely year-end real estate tax strategies. We even have a show headed your way on social media for business. Be sure to catch shows of special interest to you. Sign up for a once-a-week email announcing the show topic at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're talking about restaurant business strategies. My guests are Robin Allen, Pierre Panos, John Neville, and Tony Akeley. And uh, Robin, I'd like to ask you about some other operational tips for operators in this market. What do you see? Well, I, I think that the importance of food quality can't be overstated. I mean, we're seeing that... Um, you have a consumer with a more sophisticated palate, especially the younger people. You have um, baby boomers who are ready to spend money and, and they want to try new things. There's more interest in ethnicity. Um, so food quality, different tastes, innovation is a really important right now in the restaurant industry. And Pierre, what about uh, nutrition when it comes to, to food? How important is that in the current market? What you'll find is consumers more and more want a more healthful product, which is why we developed this one brand that, we, that we're expanding. People want something that's full-flavored, but also something that's healthy. If it's just healthy and it's not full-flavored, that's why you never put fresh-to-order healthy restaurant. You don't want to put healthy restaurant. As soon as you put healthy behind it, people think it's not going to have any flavor. So what you need to do is you need to have full-flavored food, no question. The quality has got to be impeccable. You have to differentiate yourself from, from other concepts out there. Know who you are know exactly who you are, and then keep on beating that advantage again and again and again in the marketplace. Don't try to be everything to everyone. Service has definitely jumped almost to the top of what people expect, guests expect when they come into a restaurant. You can have very good food, and if your service level is not where it needs to be, you're going to have problems. And, and, and you, that's all training. Uh, you can hire the right people, sure, but it's all training. You, you have to train them. And then training is ongoing. It's lifelong. You've got you to train the trainers, first of all, and then it's ongoing. You can't train someone once, then cut them loose and, and not train them again. Yeah, I think that's very important. I know there's some businesses and restaurants I go to that you know, they treat you like they really like you and glad you're there, and that that's that's a big part of the package. Everyone yeah, wants right. to be known and felt that they're special, and if you yeah. can do that in a restaurant, yeah. especially if it's higher end, you've got to recognize your guest names. Yeah. When you put the ticket down, you got to you know welcome back, Mr. Jones. You've got to know how many times Mr. Jones is coming to your restaurant. Yeah. If you don't know that, at a certain price point, you're behind the pack. I like to think I'm special. You know? Everyone okay. does. <laughs> okay. Well, what about online, social media, mobile marketing? What are some good ways to reach uh, customers using these tools? And, and what do you see out there, uh, Tony? It's very. It's becoming the trend of the future, I guess. Uh, Twitter has been a very big factor for most restaurants. Twittering specials all afternoon, training your servers to Twitter and tell people what's going on in the restaurant all day long. It's been a big success in many of the operations that I've dealt with. Well, my employees Twitter about, but they don't tweet. I know. <laughs> <laughs> they, they Twitter. I mean, uh, some of the operations, they get. I know they get 40, 50 people a night by Twittering. 
I'll tell friends. you what. Yeah, and I agree with Tony. It's extremely <laughs> important. What, 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 I'll tell you what. One of the issues is that's going on is it's fine to go out there and have people tweet and, and send stuff out. What's even more important is monitoring the conversations that are going on because it's fine for mm-hmm. you to send it out. You have to have a platform where you can monitor what people are saying about you. And then once you figure out what they're saying about you, instant responses. When I say instant, hours we want to get back to them within a couple of hours, definitely no more than 12 hours. You respond to the good and bad. The good ones, appreciate the comment. Thank you very much for coming in. Welcome back. Come back soon. You see us again. If it's a bad comment, you better have a, a strategy to combat that. So what we do is our in our restaurants, our restaurant managers are empowered. Literally, if they get a, if they get a comment card that's got something not so good on, immediately respond, whether it's a you know, text or email or whatever they have of the guest, respond immediately within a couple of hours. And you have to, if it's, if it's not a good uh, comment, if it's a great comment, they can do it within 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be extremely interactive with your guests. And any restaurant company that ignores social media today, it's at their peril. There's no question they're going to have an issue. Okay. Tony, you have another quick tip for operators to control cost or increase their business? It's really, again, we go back to service and quality and, uh, you know, general improvement, uh, keeping the place up. You know, there's nothing worse than going in a place that's deteriorating. That's you know, People just shy away from coming back to it. I, I encourage all my clients to go in every month and just clean the place, make it look yeah. representable. Uh, control your food cost by not sacrificing quality, just mm-hmm. making making sure there is a quality control on the food and the the cost of that. The labor cost is very important if you're gonna if you're gonna make it in this business. You know there is a certain percentage you have to keep, and whether it's trained labor or untrained labor, or whatever you need to call it, you just have to control that. Yeah, well, I have a sign in my office that. Uh, uh, the beatings will continue until morale improves. Is that the, the, the <laughs> that's, that's that's true, Michael? Did we finish talking about nutrition, or do we still getting no, to that? Tell us about nutrition. Yeah, I mean, nutri- it's a big point these days. It is huge, and what we have is, you know, and I think it's the trend of the future. Is if you come into a restaurant on the right hand side, we have two. Uh, kiosks, we call them nutritional kiosks, but basically you can come in, you can order from those kiosks as well. But when you walk in, if you, for example, want a 600 calorie meal, you click in, you slide the lever to 600 calories, it's going to pop up all the items that are less than 600 calories. If you want sodium less than 1,000 milligrams or 50 or 500 or whatever, you can basically customize your meal based on calories, fat calories, sodium if you're diabetic, and also really just your, you, you can di- you customize it to your total nutritional content and it'll pop up the items that, that qualify for you to eat, order right there, pay with your card right there, sit down, food's delivered to you. So at Fresh to Order, we really believe that is an essential part of going forward. And all these major brands are now starting to post, McDonald's just did, it's starting to post uh, nationwide, even, the, even before the deadlines, nutritional information. Why is that important? Hopefully it's going to make people have better selections and, and, and eat healthier and it's going to help combat the obesity problem in America. I hope so in any event. Well, that's amazing. I mean, what a great resource to, to have in your restaurants. Well, we're going to have more strategies for you in just a moment. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com and Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. And by Resnick Group, a top 20 national accounting firm focused on real estate. 
Visit ResnickGroup.com. the good music, right? Well, welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Today, we're talking about restaurant business strategies. My guests are Robin Allen, Pierre Panos, John Neville, and Tony Akeley. And John, I'd like to ask you about Obamacare. Is it important for the restaurant industry? How is it going to affect the industry moving forward? Well, this is something that's um, above my pay grade as simple real estate lawyers don't dive into. But I will tell you <laughs> that you know it, all restaurateurs need to consult with their with their trusted law firm if they have one. Um, I know our firm is doing this, where that you know there there are so many technicalities with the new rules, and and it is going to have such an economic impact on on the industry that you know restaurateurs need to be briefed. And so, you know, I know, again, that our firm comes and with our clients can make a presentation to get them ready and you can get ready. Mm -hmm. But it's something that um, none of us, I think, know exactly what needs to be done um, like the healthcare experts would. So, And Pierre, what do you see? Yeah, you can get ready. But the bottom line is if it comes in exactly in its current form, and I agree, and you speak with counsel, but if it comes in its current form, it'll cost our company a million and a half dollars a year straight off the bottom line. That's a big number. And and there are a lot of restaurateurs that are smaller than us. There are a lot that are bigger than us. But even a guy who's got three or four restaurants, he falls in that in that above 50 people uh, in his company. He's going to get hit by this this act. And if it costs us that much, how is a small guy going to be able to stomach that and be able to go ahead and do what he's doing and, and, and succeed? It's very difficult. It's a huge issue. Now, are there a lot of good uh, aspects of Obamacare? Sure, there are. But it's going to be very small, very hard on, on, on small business people, especially business people that employ a huge amount of of people and the hospitality industry is the biggest employee in the country. It's going to be a huge issue for hospitality. Yeah, it's going to. I think it's going to be a job issue as well. It's going to hurt jobs. Well, well, Robin, can you share with the listeners some of the information and resources available through Nations Restaurant News? I was on the site again last night. I mean, there's so much there. Can you share that with us? Oh, absolutely. Well, we have a website, NRN.com, and um, you can find industry restaurant industry news 24-7 there. We have a publication that comes out every other week that is more analytical and in-depth, and um, we also do a variety of webinars and events, including on uh, um, health care reform uh, that will serve the industry's educational and networking needs. So, And what, what is, which website could they go to find these resources? Um, it's all at NRN. Okay. All right. And I'd like to ask you now, you guys, for some some closing tips uh, for our listeners. John, you got a closing tip for somebody related to the restaurant industry? Sure. Don't get so excited about your new site that Mm -hmm. you block everything else out and sign anything that's put in front of you, whether it's a lease, loan documents, construction contract, um, anything in between. You know, have somebody who's done this before read it and review it because there are a lot of pitfalls that if you don't watch out for, they can get you. Yeah, well, that's a good point. And I think uh, you want to work with a good uh, retail and maybe a specialized restaurant uh, professional to help you with that space and work closely with an attorney. And I like that that in your practice, uh, you just do a lot of retail real estate and you do a lot of restaurants. So that specialty is certainly uh, powerful there. Pierre, you have a tip? Yeah, stay relevant and, and figure out what your unique proposition is. What does your company do the best? What does your restaurant do the best in the world? And then keep on doing that again and again and again. Stay relevant, stay fresh, and focus on service. People don't focus on service enough. They don't realize how important it is in this business. Yeah. Robin, you have a tip for us? Well, mine would be similar to Pierre's. Um, you've got to be relevant. You've got to keep your eyes and ears open about what's going on around you. There's lots of re-imaging going around on you know, food trends, demographic changes, keep an eye on it all. Tony, you got a tip? Well, the tip is really for more for starters to make sure they are well-financed 
and mm-hmm. have enough capital to sustain the business. And that's part of the pitfalls of everybody that opens a restaurant. Cash. They, they use their yeah. last cent to finance yeah. and they don't have they, the they, for three they, months. They last 30 to 90 days and they're out of business. So that's the right. tip is make sure you are well financed and yeah. don't listen to uh, other people telling you how you can get in a restaurant for a hundred thousand dollars you're not going to open a restaurant for a hundred thousand dollars great tip rob and pierre john tony thanks for joining us today we appreciate your insight thank you thank you thank you for having us you can access the profiles contact information and websites for everyone on the show today at commercialrealestateshow.com i hope you can join us next week we'll have a show on year-end tax advice thanks for spending some time with us i'm michael bull until next week be sure that you always lead learn and laugh and join us for the commercial real estate show commercial real estate show is brought to you by bull realty when your business requires proven performance visit bullrealty.com and arnold golden gregory a law firm that makes a difference visit agg.com and by france media providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate visit francemediainc.com And by Resnick Group, a top 20 national accounting firm focused on real estate. Visit ResnickGroup.com.